In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I might as well forewarn you right now, I've got way too many PowerPoints in this slide deck today, and uh, you'll probably get lost in it just like I will, so don't feel bad. Uh, we'll try to battle through it together, but um, it's just part of the punishment that happens when we start talking about tithing and stewardship. So, <laughs> But... Uh, this morning we do begin a, um, a four-week journey together into stewardship. And today um, I'm going to take you through a short journey of probably some of the most well-known passages or scripture anywhere in the whole Bible, in fact, because today we're going to begin a, um, an exposition through the, uh, the proverb that you just heard read. And it's one that we are all very familiar with. All of us know Proverbs 3. But today we're going to look at it from a, uh, a different perspective, one that you don't normally come at it from because it's one I preach and many people preach on just trusting the Lord, but there's a little bit more behind that when you get a little bit deeper into that passage. And it really makes a good way for us to enter into our stewardship journey as we come into this four-week series because it's going to take us into some Old Testament language and some Old Testament teaching, which is biblically at the foundation of what our entire stewardship and tithing Paul is in our Christian walk. These verses, I would firmly say, are probably life verses. I know they are for me. I know that uh, this verse was pounded into my head as by my mom and dad and Charles Stanley as we were children. And I still reflect on it and think about it almost daily because you know something, the entire Christian journey hinges on our trust, doesn't it? Our trust in God. Because we have to trust him just for the very next breath, don't we? in every other component of our life, and we're going to look at that today and look at some sound biblical truths that I've learned through many challenges in life. Whether they were physical, emotional, or financial, you can always revert back to what we're going to touch on today. These verses right here, when we embark upon them this week, I, I assure you will bless you at a whole different level if you have not started practicing this in your Christian walk. So with all that being said, I want us to go ahead this morning and start into this, if um, this is going to play with me today, there we go, with these verses that you're very familiar with. And we're going to look at it today um, from a perspective on how we should be giving as Christians, as disciples of Jesus Christ. Proverbs 3 begins beginning at verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. As we focus on those verses right there, I want us to look at three words this morning that should perfectly reflect how we're called to give to the Lord. And these three words will hinge everything we learn from this point forward this morning. Maybe not. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that. Tom, you may have to come off the bench because some reason we're not. Oh, there we go. There we go. There's three words we can hang a Christian walk on. Trust, acknowledge, win, and honor. Those are what we're going to be looking at. And as I said, it all begins and hinges on that first word, and that first word is trust. Our giving should always begin with trust. 
So let's look at this verse 5 and 6 from that perspective. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he'll make your path straight. We all know that verse. But a better question might be, does our giving reflect that we know it? Does our giving reflect that we trust the Lord in every capacity of our life? We could spend a month of Sundays just on that verse right there, couldn't we? But I'm not going to put you through that just an hour this morning. <laughs> Everything, my friends, depends upon our trust in the Lord in our human Christian walk. A.W. Tozer defined trust like this. He says, we stake everything on the gospel promise of God. If God fails us, we're damned. If God comes through, we're saved forever. Real trust is that blunt, that daring, and that simple. I like that. That puts it right where it's at. That's exactly where God places it too in the importance of our lives and trusting him. Sadly, though, we often do tend to place our trust in ourselves. We place our trust in other people, in places, in things, in our lives, and until inevitably they will fail us. And I assure you, all of them will at some point. I'm sure some of you may remember the old joke that I usually tell every year when we start this stewardship journey about old Stumpy and Martha. And we usually, or I usually preach that at you in a, around the context of the importance of every single dollar that we tithe to the Lord. Do you remember the joke? Sure you do. You, know, you, you want to hear it again? Okay, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> this morning you'll be able to hear the sequel of it too. But it goes like this. Old Stumpy and Martha, they used to go to the Georgia State Fair every year. And at the Georgia State Fair, they had an old biplane that you could take a ride on. It cost $20. Every year they went to the State Fair, and every year old Stumpy would go up to the guy at the stand where the biplane was and say, you know what, Martha, I sure would like to take that plane ride. And every year, Martha said the very same thing. Now, Stumpy, that plane ride costs $20, and $20 is $20. Every year, he'd shake his head in rejection, and they'd walk away. Well, decades went by, and the same thing happened, except the ride got a little more expensive. When Stumpy got later up in life, they went to the fair one day, and as they got to the fairground, they went up to the old place where the biplane was, and he said to the old guy there, he said, you know what, Martha, I sure would like to take that plane ride. And she looked over the top of her glasses and said, now, Stumpy, the airplane ride is $20, and $20 is $20. Well, this time, the guy who flies the airplane overheard the conversation. And he says, well, let me tell you something. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll make you a special deal today. I'll take both of you up for $20. And if I don't hear one single word from either one of you, not one peep, then I won't charge you a thing. But if I do, it's going to be $20. Well, Martha's pretty sharp. She goes, well, that's really like $10 a piece. So they said, yeah, we'll do that. So they get in the airplane behind the old boy, and they're sitting right behind him, and away they go. Take off, go up around the fairground. They go up, he gets about... 2,000 feet of altitude, and all of a sudden he noses this thing over, and he's going at the ground, and he starts doing rolls and spins, pulls the thing up right off the deck, does all his best tricks. Doesn't hear a sound. So he takes him up over the fairground again, does his very best tricks, doesn't hear one single word. Lands the airplane, starts taxing the old thing up to the barn there at the fairground, and he leans back, and he goes, well, old timer, I'll tell you what, um, I did all the best tricks I know, and I never heard one single word out of you. 
He goes, well, I was going to say something when Martha fell out, but $20 is $20. <laughs> well, as funny as that is, there's a sequel. <laughs> and today, as we launch into this journey together, we're going to hear the sequel of that story. You see, old Stumpy somehow, after that event, somehow he enjoyed several peaceful years of life. Now, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know how that occurred, but that's how the story goes. And then one spring, his grandson came to visit and asked him if he wanted to get out of the house. And Stumpy said, heck yeah, I want to get out of this house. Let's go to the fair. He goes, you sure you want to go to the fair? He goes, yeah, I want to go to the fair, and I want to go on a plane ride. He goes, okay, then. He was shocked to hear that, but they go to the fair, and uh, they get out there, and uh, when they get to the fair, they see the guy that drives the old biplane. It's the same guy. And he couldn't remember that they were back. And he goes, my goodness, old-timer, I didn't think I'd ever see you again. He goes, yeah, this is my grandson. I want to take him up for a ride. So he goes, okay, I'll take you all up for nothing. So they jump in the airplane. They do the whole thing. They come back and land the airplane. He does his very best, all his best tricks for the guy and everything. And uh, as they got back on the ground, uh, they got off the airplane. They're walking away. And... Uh, the guy goes, you know something, old-timer, I have to admit, you're one of the bravest guys I've ever known. I never even thought I'd see you here again. And as they were walking away, he goes, well, I enjoyed the ride. And there's a walking away. His grandson said, well, Grandpa, um, were you afraid being on that airplane? He goes, well, not really, son, but um, I can tell you this. I did hold on mighty tight, and I never did put my full weight down. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. Holding on tight and never putting our full weight down? perfectly describes how Christians approach their giving to God. See, oftentimes we're just not sure how much we should trust God. So we hold on a little bit tighter to our giving than we think we should. And we oftentimes don't put our full weight down into our time. You see, friends, the proof of our trust shows in how we give to God. Or maybe better said, how much we're willing to put down. Do we want to hit the tithe at 10%? Or do we want to cheat God on what it's already his anyway? Let's see if I can catch up on my slides here. Where are we? <laughs> How we give reflects our trust in the Lord. When you place your trust in something other than God to provide for your significance, your security, and your happiness in this life, it will soon become your God. You have to put your full trust in God alone. And once you begin to trust Him with all your heart, you naturally begin to acknowledge Him in more areas of your life. And that leads us into this second point today. And the second point here today is about acknowledgement. It happens in verse 6. It says, In all your ways, in all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths in this life. We notice here that Solomon, supposed to be the wisest man in the world, says that we acknowledge God in all of our ways, not in some of our ways. Other translations put it like this, and I like it. It says we must submit to him in all our ways. I like it. But we notice here that Solomon doesn't say we must submit in some of our ways. The world tells us to submit everything that we understand and what we think it should be and the way it should be. The world says question also everything in this Bible. So we know we don't want to follow the world's leaning and teaching on this. At some point, everyone must choose someone and something to believe in and not to question. 
and sadly, many will choose their money and their own best abilities to trust in. And sadly, they will suffer as a result of it. Eventually, all will. But if you immerse yourself in the Bible stories of a loving God who made us and saved us for a relationship with us, it changes every part of your life on how you allocate your time, how you relate to others, how you see yourself. Friends, how we give acknowledges our trust in our God. If God is on the top of our priority list, you will naturally begin to acknowledge him and fully submit to him in every part of your life, which includes your giving. And that brings us to verses 9 and 10. And this is where I want us to drill down this morning because this is where we get an Old Testament teaching on what tithing is really all about and how we should be giving to God is what we're looking at today. Verse 9 tells us, oh, here we go. Verse 9 says, we are to honor the Lord with our wealth, with the first fruits of all of our wealth. This verse right here is referring to tithing. Tithing reveals the benchmark on how we are called to give. We are called to give God a tithe. Solomon's saying right here that we are to trust, acknowledge, and lastly honor the Lord with our wealth, with the first fruit of all of our wealth. What does that mean? Well, this principle right here, this first fruit, tithing originally appears way back in the book of Genesis with two guys that had a little difference of opinion on how tithing should look. And then it's expanded in the book of Exodus in chapter 23, verse 19. It says, bring your very best of your first fruits into the house of the Lord. And that is the principle which all this is based on. Giving of our first fruits reveals our trust and brings honor to the Lord. Giving from the wealth of our fruits, first fruits, brings honor and honors and shows our trust to the Lord. I want us to look at this little short video here. I hope this thing will play because it's really good on what this means and how it looks in the Old Testament. Let's see if this thing will start. Two men bring an offering to the Lord, one of the fruit of the ground, the other the firstborn of his flock. God accepts one and rejects the other. Why? Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. The word tells us clearly that the offering Abel brought was the firstborn of his flock. But it doesn't say that Cain brought the first fruits of his crops. It simply says, in the process of time, Cain brought an offering. Cain harvested his crops and over time gathered enough to bring an offering. It was an offering on Cain's terms. God accepted Abel's offering because it was the first of his increase. Cain's offering was rejected because it wasn't the first of his. Giving the first to God requires faith. When a firstborn lamb is born in a flock, it's not possible to know how many more lambs that you might produce. But Abel gave his firstborn lamb in faith. 
whereas Cain made sure he had enough for himself before giving to God. Many of us treat God the same way as Cain, making sure we have enough money before we see if there's anything left for God. Even if we give from what's left over, God can't accept the offering because it's not the first fruit. Other stories emphasize this truth. In the account of the fall of Jericho, the Lord gave strict instructions that the Israelites were not to keep any of the spoils from Jericho. All of it belonged to him, the Lord declared. Jericho belonged to the Lord because it was the first city conquered in the Promised Land. It was the first fruits. God withheld his blessing from Israel when one man took some of the spoils for himself. The first belongs to God. There was much more at stake than money when Abraham offered his firstborn son Isaac. When God asked for his son, Abraham didn't wait to have ten sons before giving Isaac. He gave the first when he only had one to give. Abraham had only the promise of having more sons. It took faith for Abraham to offer Isaac. Faith that God respected and blessed. And God did the same for us. He gave his first in the form of his son, his first and only begotten son, who was given to us while we were still sinners. God gave Jesus in faith that we might one day give our lives to him. The gift of his son came before the blessing of our repentance and salvation. We give our first fruits in much the same way. Before we see the blessing of God, we give it in faith. Giving the first fruits of your income says to God, I recognize you first. I am putting you first in my life, and I trust you to take care of the rest. That video perfectly tells us what the Old Testament tells us about tithing. And it makes us recognize and realize the importance of it and why God places it in our lives as a test. This first fruit principle is very powerful. I've heard it said that any first thing given is never lost. And any first thing not given is always lost. In other words, what we give to the Lord, we don't lose because God will redeem it for us. But what we withhold from him, we will surely lose. Jesus echoed this principle in Matthew 16 when he said, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. We honor God when we give him from the first of everything we're given, our time, our talent, and our treasure. When we give to him from our first fruits financially, it reveals trust. That's what tithing is all about. That's what this message is all about. That's what this whole thing is about. It honors God because it shows our trust in him. By cheerfully giving the first 10% to God, it's like saying, okay, God, I'm going to give you the very first and trust you to redeem everything beyond it for me. And granted, it requires faith, but that's what this whole thing is about. That's what your whole Christian walk in this world is about. It's about faith and trust. First fruit tithing means giving before we know what's going to be left. That's where the test comes in. That's what makes this principle so important. First fruit tithing is the primary way that we acknowledge God is first in our lives and the main priority in our lives. This blessing of first fruit tithing are countless. In fact, throughout the Bible, 
We see that. But it's the principle of putting God first in your giving and fully placing your trust in him which initiates the blessing from heaven, my friends. Putting God first in our lives is that single trigger. It's that first person that redeems us and redeems all behind it. That's what sets this in motion. Tithing is where the rubber meets the road in our Christian walk. Tithing is where we walk what we talk. And without exception, I can tell you that all tithers say they're blessed. We're going to have people do testimonies this month, Andrew? I can't remember. Not. Well, there's a whole bunch of folks in this church you could reach out to, myself, Andrew, or, anyone, or Father Andrew, anyone here, that can tell you if you tithe, you're going to be blessed. That's what you'll hear, the same testimony from every single person who does that. In contrast, all nine tithers have the same testimony as well. And they say, I can't afford to tithe. All of them say the same thing. Been hearing it for 30 years. Think about those two statements. All tithers say they're blessed. All non-tithers say they can't afford it. Often I hear this. I don't think I could live on just 90% of my income. Well, I once thought that too after 2008 when the market crashed. But we continued to tithe. And God blessed us. I once heard it said, I'd rather live on 90% blessed by God than 100% that's not blessed by him, and that's a good way to look at it. The well-known missionary by the name of Hudson Taylor once said, unless there is an element of risk, our exploits for God, there is no need for faith. This is all about faith and trust, folks. Tithing and first fruits giving is all about your trust in the Lord. It's all about what you really believe in our God. It's all about acknowledging and honoring him. It's one thing that you say you trust and place him at the top of your priority list, but it's much more to pony up and live it out. God graciously, my friends, shares his abundant resources with us. He shares it with us to expand his gospel enterprise. God has entrusted his riches to all of us and to our care as stewards. He's made us investment brokers and has instructed us to invest 10% as a tithe and he pays each one of us a 90% commission. That's a pretty good deal. Can you find that anywhere out there? Not at my financial advisor. <laughs> Never forget, God promises this promise to us in Malachi chapter 3. You're going to hear all about this in the next few weeks. When it comes to tithing, God says, test me on this. Nowhere else in the Bible we hear that. Test God when it comes to tithing. See if he will not open the window of heaven and pour out blessing until it overflows. That's exactly what the scripture says. We notice a similar promise here today in verse 10, though. And that tells us right here, by trusting, acknowledging, and honoring God with your first fruits, God promises your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wines. That is an amazing promise. God's promises will always materialize if we work into them. Always. Never forget God's capacity to give far exceeds our capacity to receive, my friends. Jesus tells us that in Luke 6, 38. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your laps. That doesn't mean you're going to get rich. That's not what tithing and giving and trusting the Lord is all about. Tithing and freely giving from our first fruits is all about trust. It's all about trust and really believing in God's word. 
It's all about faithfully acknowledging our gracious God. It's all about honoring Him with our first fruits. Friends, we're going to ask you this month to take time to pray about this and to wrestle with this and test God on this. Test Him. The challenge doesn't come from us. That comes from heaven. Test Him. You don't have to believe us. We don't stand at the gate waiting on you. Test God and see if He will not bless your life if you will walk and work into this principle in your giving of everything. Time, talent, and treasure. God will bless your life. He makes it perfectly clear in this passage here today that your vats will be full, bursting. That's an incredible promise. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, Help us to think about how we should practice the first fruits giving in every area of our lives. Lord, inspire us to give deliberately, not impulsively. Let our giving be sacrificial and not token. Let it always be cheerful. Help us to remember how our Savior Jesus gave not of his possessions, but of his very own blood for the eternal salvation of our souls. Lord, embolden us test you in this principle that in doing so Lord we would take that gift and multiply it and expand our footprint in your work in this community we ask and pray it all in your most holy name dear Lord Jesus amen